going on? Welcome to Kennell and Bell on this Tuesday, a Taco Tuesday in the world of LeBron James. Uh, big show lined up for you. Were you on the train? Oh, there was a there was a movement. Was it last week? The week before mm-hmm. about LeBron's Taco Tuesday and the the pushing the boundaries of like what was acceptable before it becomes like right stereotypical and right. All that. Did you have a problem with it? Were you? Yeah, were you? I there? didn't. I'm sort of. Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of. Doesn't stuff doesn't bother me as much right. as it does some people. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, but I have like when I said Taco Tuesday, I was gonna go somewhere and I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna do what LeBron does because maybe I get in trouble for it. You right. know, and right, we're right, on right. there. No, I hear you. Um, you know, so I but it is one of those ones that is kind of it's twenty nineteen, people get outraged, they get upset about certain things, and yeah. I kind of saw it coming, but it just doesn't bother me that I got you. I was you just know? curious. But yeah. no, I did see it. Yeah. And it was kind of a, oh, here we go. 2019. Somebody's going to get out, upset about something. Right. As this typically happens. Uh, we got a big show lined up for you. Uh, Dak Prescott. We mentioned that off the top at the, uh, at the sour. What does he want? What does he not want? What do you believe? I think is the more important question. Um, Antonio Brown back to the Raiders plus the University of Miami, the U. Yes. Has named their starting quarterback a surprise to some. We'll break that down too, as it was a name I don't think a lot of people saw coming. But we have to start off with the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Golf clap. We talked, yeah. Very well done by the NCAA. Last week we talked about this. We blasted them. Uh, the NBA blasted them. LeBron James blasted them. Uh, Chris Paul blasted, blasted them. Rich Paul, who the name of this rule, which we're talking about. Yeah. Actually wrote an op-ed for The Athletic, and lo and behold, the NCAA has actually done something that I don't think either one of us thought there was any chance they would do. They changed. They amended their yeah. brand new rule, which was only implemented a week ago. Um, they amended it to not include anymore the requirement that you would have to have a four-year collegiate degree. Rich Paul said, I actually support requiring three years of experience before representing a kid test in the market. I can even get behind passing a test. However, requiring a four-year degree accomplishes only one thing, systematically excluding those who come from a world where college is unrealistic. Does anyone really believe a four-year degree is what separates an ethical person from a con artist? Uh, excellent observation, one that we made as well when we were talking about this. Correct. You could go down a laundry list of crooks Financial industry, agent industry, uh, just whatever industry you wanted to some pick. Of the most educated people you'd ever meet. Have been mo- some of the most crooked people. Yeah. Greed, you know, whatever it is that drove them to be con artists, liars that are looking to rip people off have had college degrees. So it was really a dumb, um, requirement for the NCAA to have their thinking. All right. This is supposed to protect basketball players from nefarious, you know, people. And even still, I would still warn the kids with a word of caution. Just be careful who's representing you. It doesn't matter if they have their college degree or not. Look, man, we not to get into politics and stuff like that, but like the church was supposed to be like the most hollow, trusted ground there was, right? Yeah. Like your priest and stuff like that. And you've seen what's happened. You know what I mean? Like you just people in general, you have to be, you know, you have to be wary of who you're dealing with and really sort through that. Like it's not. not you know, there's not one segment of the population because they've obtained some sort of uh, um, um, successful position in their life that you're supposed to automatically put a stamp on and trust. Like you just don't. Every person I meet, no matter what profession they're in, I've got to gauge for myself through our interactions whether you're trustworthy or not. And you still miss sometimes. But I ain't going to just blanketly say because you are X, Y, and Z, you're trustworthy. And I would say like the ethical part um, 
and 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 a degree not making someone more ethical or less of a con artist than another, it really doesn't even really doesn't even determine how smart you are. Like just right. because you're more educated doesn't mean you're brighter than someone that hasn't had the opportunity to be as polished as you are, right? Mm-hmm. So I felt like they had missed on a whole lot of levels, the NCAA, and I give them credit where I usually don't. They didn't put good money after bad there. They realized they made a mistake. And they stopped in their tracks and they got out of it. You know what I mean? They didn't yeah. keep doubling down on that. And for that, you know, I applaud and give them credit. Walked it back pretty quickly. I mean, it was a very quick movement, which I give them. They usually move the NCAA moves at a glacial place, uh, pace to try to get change accomplished, to implement new rules for them to turn on the dime a week later. But you and I said, we talked about this last week and the conversation was, would you be okay with this rule if they just did away with that criteria. And we're yeah. both like, yeah, it makes sense. They did it. So now everybody can kind of get on board. I do think if anybody thinks, oh, this is going to be easy because you don't have to have a four-year degree, you're not paying attention because you still have to be certified for three, three years, years. Uh, in good standing with the MBPA. So that's not just an easy thing. That's where I think it was kind of misleading where if you think, oh, I'm just a high school kid who's all of a sudden going to start hustling and I have a relationship with a player who was might have maybe my teammate. Right. It's kind of similar to Rich Paul who's had a relationship a long time with LeBron James. I still think that's a long shot of that happening. And this rule being changed isn't going to necessarily open it up to all these doors of kids who don't have a college degree. It's well, still pretty if, tough. If they want to go um, and join a, a, an established like um, agent house or what have you, like right. brand and learn – and cut they your can. teeth and get and get your your certification and put your three years worth of work in so you've been groomed and you understand the business and you just never had an opportunity to de- get that degree it leaves the door open for that but i agree with you like you can't just be some knucklehead that says i want to be an agent and 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 you've you've now just been able to pass some tests like there are dues that have to be paid to be able to get into there and i'm i've always been fine with that i don't think the ncaa realized when when they put this rule in how 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 it how it looked to a certain segment of the population, black people in general. People yeah. not not black people in general. I shouldn't have said that, but people without the means to go to college. Yeah, you you didn't realize that you were gonna. That rule seemed to alienate a whole lot of people and make achieving NBA um, agent status seem like it was only going to be possible for one segment of the population. Do you know what I mean? Did you? Because that you know, a lot of people said hey, this is a racist rule. This was, or those were the two things I heard the most: less this racial a, and more socioeconomic. In my book, that's yes. why I walk back. Like because if you don't, do you give them the benefit of the doubt, saying, "Hey, they didn't mean to; they just weren't aware." I do. They, I, I do. do I, think, I don't think that they understood what that looked like. Right. You know, I don't think they sat behind closed doors and were like, hey, "We, we want to keep everybody out of, of the possibility of being an agent." But I think their intentions. This is one where the NCA is easy to bash. It's easy to crush them and say, "Hey, they're clueless. They right. do these things." I think this was just an oversight. I think this was them. I don't think it was a direct shot at Rich Paul either. Right. I don't think they're that calculated in saying, hey, how are we going to make Rich Paul's job tougher? I think they genuinely wanted to look out for these guys who are on the bubble, who are trying to make decisions. They're trying to weed out some of the characters. They just went around it the wrong way. Yeah. And for them to quickly backtrack, and I think was well, the, the question then becomes like, this is a deeper conversation than we yeah. usually have on Canelo and Bell. Who's in the room making those decisions? Right. And what does it look like? What Are is, there multiple backgrounds? Correct. Do we, do we have a diverse like sample of people in the room making those decisions? Because if you do, chances are somebody says, hey, whoa, 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 hey, yeah. that's not going to be a good look You know, when you roll that one out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And clearly, uh, it's taken some time for them uh, to learn that the hard way. And those they are. Joey, do you want to chime in? Yeah, I was just wondering, how much do you think of this 
was more on the, is the NCAA just kind of scrambling because they see the writing on the wall that they're getting ready to lose their 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 big money players, these one and done guys, to when the high school rule changes in the NBA. Guys are going to be able to just go straight to college, and then these agents, they're going to get them before they even get to college. These are guys, they're trying to limit it. Like a guy like Rich Paul, who's clearly a power broker now in the NBA, how much of it is that the NCAA, did it seem like they're kind of like scrambling to maybe, you know, salvage some of what they're about to lose when they don't have these guys that are, you know, the Zions of the world? I mean, that that could be like a knee-jerk reaction. Like it, it could have been, but I, I would say this to them. If you don't think like Bill Duffy and CAA and 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 uh, Rob Polinka before he's with the Lakers, and I don't even know who else is out there in terms of big-name agents now, if you don't think they were grabbing those kids in high school, like you weren't really affecting – um, those kids' ability to go straight to the NBA. Do you know what I mean? If you were a top-tiered high school player that was projected to be a first-round draft pick, you weren't going to be dealing with the dude who's cutting his own teeth as an agent just trying to you know, get in the game. You were probably going to be with one of those major firms. Do you know what, I, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know that it would have really affected that, uh, but it could have been a knee-jerk reaction to the possibility. I think it's a knee-jerk reaction to a lot of uh, – you know, the landscape is shifting really fast on the NCAA. They're starting to realize, hey, we are going to see that one-and-done go away. Yeah. We're not going to have players like Zion playing for us anymore. I think they're trying to do things to try to – which I think speaks volumes to why they switched this rules. If this was a decade ago, there's no chance they would have responded to the criticism from NBA players and guys like Rich Paul and made this shift on a dime. Right. It would have said they would have dug their feet in and said, nah, this is our rule. Deal with it. I do think they're aware now of the perception of them and they're trying to please the masses a little bit more, which can be a good thing. And I yeah. think that's where that's a good thing that this rule was changed. This all, all, all this goes to, I mean, not all of this, but I say we're, we're in a day and an age, whether you like it or not. Where, you know, players, athletes, like their voices, they're, they're starting to own, you know, the power that they can wield in certain situations. And you know what I mean? And, yeah. and taking it upon themselves to, to affect change like this. Like in 10 years ago, you might not have had NBA guys willing to get out and, and, and be, you know, on the, on the face of trying to get the NCAA to change the rule necessarily. Not, not as many as you had. And I, I applaud not just NBA players, but MLB, football, what, what have you. Uh, at, you know, women's, women's soccer or yeah. women's national team. They've got these platforms and they're not afraid to kind of use them to affect change, which is dope. Yep. Absolutely. Players definitely speaking out more, uh, which is a good thing, I think, for our society when their voices are heard more and paid attention to for sure. Um, the NBA schedule release. Were you on? Were you tuned in? Fired yes. up. Oh, yeah, you were so fired up. Yeah. I missed it. <laughs> I think you probably did too. I did. Uh, there were some notable games that came out. You've got the Heat uh, at Philly. Jimmy Butler obviously making his return. Um, you've got a Western Conference Finals rematch with the Warriors and Blazers. you got OKC at Houston. That one, of course, everyone's going to be dialed into. CP3 returns uh, to his squad. A bunch of different ones. You look for the players returning home. Uh, Zion's first game in the Garden is one that caught some people. The Pelicans at Grizzlies, Zion versus Ja Morant. The only thing they spoke about, I don't give a damn about none of that. <laughs> I really don't. I don't, give, right. I don't give a damn about anything. I was just giving some of the highlights. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, the yeah. job, dude. Yeah. I appreciate that. Right. Graphic up. I am gotta, with gotta you, though. Up. I could care less either. Here's yeah. the only thing that stuck out to me about this, or stood out about okay. the schedule. Yep. The NBA views Zion as a superstar already. And they are going to try to put past that torch from LeBron or whoever it is to him. They're giving you like Zion is on. When was the last time you can remember, you know, a, a, a rook 
on a team that didn't do anything last year. Sacramento. Yeah, being on like the opening slate of games and and playing on like all these major TV. So that's what stood out to me is the amount of Zion that the NBA wants to give you. You're going to get enough of him because he's going to have all the highlights and we'll talk about him and he's, you know, he's just viral and he's a star. But when the NBA says, hey, listen, we're going to ride this thing. Yeah. We're giving you Zion. People want it. We're giving it to you. That tells me, like, I, I mean, he is in a different stratosphere as a, as a rookie um, of the likes of, I don't know, like LeBron, yeah, LeBron. and only LeBron. It really uh, MJ didn't come in with that type of damn no. uh, cachet. You know no, what I mean? Not even close. Right. It really is. Since LeBron, we have not seen this much hype and hoopla surrounding a player. Um I think they're probably looking at some of the numbers of college basketball ratings yeah. up. I mean, I think it was, you know, out of the 10 highest rated games in college basketball last season, there were like seven of them that featured Duke and it was because of Zion. You had the YouTube following sensation. I watched them all. Yeah. And I, I, so and did I. I will admittedly tell you, like, I don't know what he's going to be in the NBA. Right. But I'm watching. Were you, we were just showing those highlights of him. I don't know if it was, he was wearing a long sleeve undershirt, yeah. if it was the bagginess of the uniform. Heavy. But during the, the, uh, the summer league, when yeah. he was in Vegas, like that was the one of the thing that a lot of commentators who were there said, Ooh, he looks a little bit out of shape. He has been banged up. He'll get that right. He will, I, right? He, he he's not going to be the next Anthony Bennett. There's I don't, no chance of that happen. I don't know. He made himself out of the job. Correct. I don't think he's going to ever be like, um, super lean and whatever, but I don't even think that's a, you know, that looks like a decent weight for him there for me. But with, with better eating habits, with more exposure to, uh, yeah, you know, to chefs and and different things like that. You know, he's gonna drop percentages of body fat. He's gonna be on a better strength and conditioning program. He's gonna be fine. Uh, one of my favorite things about the schedule uh, wasn't who is playing, but when they will be playing. Yeah. Uh, w- living on the East Coast, we are clearly East Coast biased, right? Let I me mean, just admit it. Like yep. I'm not staying up till one a.m. to catch the end of college football towards you know uh, NBA, whatever the late games are, baseball. Uh, I thought this was a really smart move. Was to move some of these double headers, some of these national, nationally televised games. Bump them up. Move them earlier. And it's not a huge adjustment. Last year and years past, we've typically seen them 8 and 10.30 p.m. The 10.30 game, obviously the one that creates a real issue. But now they're going to start them on either at either 7 or 7.30, followed by the second game at either 9.30 or 10 on the East Coast, uh, which just from a common sense standpoint, makes so much sense. And I think this is the NBA. You know, we talked about the NCAA being slow to adjust. Sure. They were looking at their ratings, seeing some declines, looking at the entirety, saying, oh, maybe the reason is because most of the East Coast is going to sleep during sure. those late games. Let's give them an opportunity to see some of this product. It's a real thing. I will tune out. Like, where you get me at the 1030 game is, I'm probably not watching any of it. Right. Right? Right. So you can't hook me. No matter what the game looks like, if it's a barn burner, I don't care. I'm sleeping. Yeah. Yep. That nine o'clock game goes off. That's right when I'm going to start. Like, you know, kids are going to sleep. You might get me for a quarter, quarter, like quarter and a half. It's a good game. Maybe I stay. Like, do you know what I mean? For, yeah. for a lot of reasons, it's great. And then, you know, these are going to be like little small things, but for the teams, like when you get off the court, you got to, you got to fly to another city instead of getting in at 3.30 a.m., you're in at 2.30 a.m. Like, Big. you know, they, for a lot of reasons, I just think the NBA typically is flexible enough to listen. You know, see kind of a problem developing, try to get out in front of it, even though this has been for a while, but they're flexible enough to make the change. And I applaud them like I did the NCAA. This is a great call because you'll get, 
me yeah. to watch some some West Coast games now because yep. I wasn't watching. And I still have, ne- and I've said this before on this show, I never understood catering to the home crowd. Like, yeah, obviously you want your ticket holders to be. They're coming uh, anyway, bro. They're coming anyway, and they make up such a small portion of who's what really matters. And right. That's the ratings. That's the ratings. Who's tuning in on TVs. Right. You're talking about millions of people versus 15,000. Correct. Like, who are you going to cater to? Wisely, I think the TV networks are saying, oh, let's cater to our national viewing audience as opposed to some of those fans who will still get to see the game. Sure. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome back to Canel and Bell. I thought it was an outstanding job. Joey actually G-chatted me and said he loves your voice. Oh, he likes Upstate that? Raja yeah, voice? I mean, I think, honestly, Raja, like, I, I'm new to the show. Just, I'm, I've only been back for two days, and already I think my favorite thing about this show like is that. Update Raja. We got to come, come up with a live segment where I yeah. can use my update voice if I can get gotta in character. got to come up with a go in there. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be something like Ron Burgundy related. Because I feel like a different dude when I'm doing that. Like, it's, <laughs> it's definitely not the guy I am. You definitely right now, put like. on, a, like, a broadcaster hat and you go in there into news guy which i actually love uh you said that who was the player for the browns that was hurt chad thomas chad thomas you know it's a scary moment uh i don't know what it was like for you uh in practices if you ever you probably didn't see obviously as many because nba is not as physical or violent as the nfl is but i remember thinking holy crap this is cutthroat this is like just so like the mindset that goes into football sometimes and I didn't see it in high school, but in college, we and I saw it in both college and pros. No matter what the injury was, how little or bad it was, if a player was down, the the response from the coaches was move the drill. Yeah, like let's just go to the other field. You know, like we're not going to stop practice. Yeah, we had a dude, and granted, he wasn't. The, he was a walk on wide hey, receiver. Depends on who the dude no, is. But even then, yeah. we had a dude had his like. We're talking broke where you can see the ankle, uh, like the bones are like protruding. A compound fracture. Compound fracture. Yeah. Thank you for the terminology. I was looking for it. I couldn't find it. Compound fracture on the field. He's like screaming, like, ah, ah. <laughs> and the coaches are like, let's go to field two. <laughs> and the kid's still there, like writhing in pain. Right. And half the team is like checking on him. And then we're trying to execute drills. Same thing happened in the NFL though, too. It doesn't really matter, even though you're on a smaller roster. You know, a guy does something and, you know, if there's a neck injury and yeah. sometimes they have oh, to yeah, wait yeah, yeah, for yeah. the ambulance, it's always kind of like, oh, let's get back to work. It's a game to be played next Yeah. Time. Did yeah. you ever have anything like that um, in practice? Because I, I would assume they're probably more lenient. Hey, let's just let's, I we'll feel take like a break. NBA is a little different. Now, <laughs> the, the, like the amount of time that you would spend, like, checking on someone would vary depending on who that guy was. Like, Amari yes. Stoudemire goes down. He has this big corneal scratch. Like, practice is over. Right. You know, we got to make sure that's straight. But that <laughs> right. would, that's our cash cow. We right. got to ride that. Um, You know, I go down or, like, DeJon Thompson, who was – you signed him out of UCLA. He was a, a good young kid, but probably wasn't cracking our lineup. Right. Probably check on him for a couple seconds. Like, go get water, guys. We'll come back. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it would just depend on how good he was. Yeah. It's uh, interesting, the mindset of different sports when players hurt at practice. Uh, Dak Prescott uh, has been in the news a lot lately. Yeah. It was Ezekiel Elliott earlier with his holdout. We've talked a lot about that. 
Now there are reports. And I, when I say reports, I use that term loosely. And it's not to discredit the reporters who are reporting the information. Right. It is you have to consider the source. I'm assuming their source are the Dallas Cowboys. And they are putting pressure publicly on Ezekiel Elliott, trying to say, hey, we're good with any other, any other back. Now, I think they are the ones that are floating this information purposely, purposefully, mm-hmm. about Dak Prescott for a couple of reasons. I think, one, they want to make him look greedy, which is why you're hearing this report that he's turned down $30 million. Right. Then they want to make him seem a little bit crazy when they say, oh, you know, he wants $40 million per year because they want to put some pressure on him publicly in the media. Sure. That says, oh, Dak Prescott, no way he should take $40 million. He starts hearing some of that, and it just it's sort of part of this process that's playing out very publicly for the Cowboys. I don't believe any of the reports that I hear as far as is this what Dak is actually thinking. I just don't believe it. Yeah, this is it's really convoluted for me because, well, number one, I want to tell you, it was like last week, and I was like, you know, this is seems like something like Dallas will get done, but, you know, quickly – while Jerry Jones and, and his son, I forget, Stephen Jones, is that his name? They're not in panic mode now. Um, that The complexion of the situation changes very quickly from week to week, right? And so when the team starts doing this, though, now that means the the fire is lit under their butt a little bit and they're trying to get something done. And what I'll say to them is, and they're, they're way more astute businessmen than me, when you start painting a dude like that, even though you're trying to apply pressure, the good faith leaves the room. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. now, oh, you going to do me like that? Right. That's how we're going to do it. So whatever whatever my sticking point was, if I was willing to like, you know, fr- like go a couple dollars less than that or not, that like that opportunity has passed. Now it's going to be what I want or it ain't going to be nothing at all. So you've started doing that. Secondly. Yeah, because you can imagine Dak calling his agent. That's probably like, did you say this? Did right. you say I want 40? And his agent's probably like, no, I didn't say that. Only, and we're not crazy. Like, Correct. <laughs> the only person that did that was a Dallas Cowboy employee. Right. Whether it was Jerry or, or someone he told to do it or whatever. But – um. I also can't sort through it, Danny, because it could be factual that he turned down some deal that was going to pay him $30 million. There's an ounce of truth. $30 million a year yeah. like in, in NFL money. I don't know if he was guaranteed, what would he was guaranteed, because that's all that really matters. You say it on here all the time, right? Yep. And, and in a vacuum, the only thing that matters. In a vacuum, if you said, damn, Dak Prescott turned down $30 million a year as a quarterback, I'd be like, oh, Dak, e- easy, buddy. Right. Like, you, you're going to lock that up, bro. But what if, what if, like, what if only – you know, a fraction of that was guaranteed and all of it was on the back end. and, and Which said, is probably the likely case. So then, probably more likely. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's hard for me to really be beefing with, with Dak or, to, to to your point, to be able to tell what's factual about this and what's not. I don't know how much was guaranteed. I, I don't know if it was just an average of 30 a year and he was going to see 15 of it and then yeah. they were going to cut him. Like, I don't know. Right. Uh, the $30 million annual salary, I think, is a fair compensation for Dak. 40, I think, is going over the top a little bit. That's Who makes 40? No one. Nobody. Uh, the, D- Russell Wilson is the highest paid quarterback at $35 million a year. But even still, if you are Dak, I think you have to take into consideration as we take a look at the top five, you know, right. top 10 quarterbacks. You got Russell making 35, Roethlisberger 34, Aaron Rodgers 33, Carson Wentz 32. So kind of there's five guys over 30 million. So you could say, hey, it's my time. I'm an established franchise starter. I need to be in the top five. I understand that. That's where I get the thirty million. Say that's fair. Yeah, I feel like Carson Wentz is 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 a. He hasn't done it. He hasn't done no, more. No, his, his upside is more. I would say Dak's numbers are better than Carson Wentz. Yes, they're better, but, but more consistent. And he's I, won more in the I, postseason. I'm not lobbying for him to get Carson money. I think somewhere in Dak's mind and his representation's mind, Carson is the uh, like what we need to be better than. 
Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't think yeah. he's younger guy yep. with Kirk or Jimmy Garoppolo or Russell Wilson. He's like, I want to beat Carson Wentz. Yep. I feel like, and that's where like it did. that's his comp. And that's the Cowboys' problem is right. they're saying that is a comp because I think that is a fair comp. Right. You know, hey, he's younger than me. I've done more than him. I've would, won, you know. Would $2 million hang you up on either side of that? I mean, all right. Let, let, no. Let's so say, here's what. $3 million hang you up? Like, I give you $33 million. You're higher paid than, than right. Carson Wentz. Would Let that me, bother you? No. It wouldn't bother me at all. I'd be like, Sign, but I don't but know I, where Dak thinks. I'm with Dak too. Like, I, like, first of all, it wouldn't run me away if I were to, the Dallas Cowboys. I'd yep. be like, right, it was three million. We can get you there with three million. Done. Let's do it. Come on. Yeah, keep it moving. Right. But from Dak's perspective, I'd be the same way. Dog, you make 32. I make 30. Right. I can live Not with that. Not that big of a deal. I can live with that. Here's where I would try to sell you. I've tried to sell you on this before. Yeah. And you've always said, nope, you've got to get yours while you can get it. Yeah. I do think Dak is in a place at his career where it's really crucial where he continues the success, right? right. I'm not saying a drastic pay cut. But I would say, let's say 32 or 28 a year. Uh-huh. That's $4 million left over that you would say, all right, I'll take 28. It plays publicly because you can say, you know what? I didn't want to break the bank. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be the top paid quarterback. I don't even need to be in the top five. And you kind of start building up that reputation that Tom Brady has. Everyone, what do you always say about Tom Brady? Oh, he always plays for less. That rep don't exist if Tom Brady doesn't have six championships, though. Let's Agreed. Just, all right. Agreed. But – I also think at the same time, it would be a wise choice mm. for Dak to be self-aware enough to realize, hey, I've played three years. I've had a lot of success because I had Zeke, because I had a really good offensive line, because I had some good players around me. And really what you should be thinking if you're Dak is not how do I break the bank on this contract, but how do I set myself up for the next one? Yeah. You know, like, so you get to that third contract. And then you kind of worry about breaking the bank then. 28, 32, to me, it's all a lot of money, but how do you set your career up in the best possible place? And I would say, man, for a guy like Dak Prescott, where he's not Aaron Rodgers, we can all agree on that. He's not Russell Wilson. He's not Ben Roethlisberger. He needs a little more help around him. I would say, and this is if I was, you know, his agent, I think is going to try to break the bank for him. But I would say have the self-awareness to say, maybe I play for a little bit less, spread some of that money around the team, and give me better weapons to work with. I understand the school of thought, but if they are already at thirty, I'm certainly not giving twenty eight. Right, not, right, right. Yeah, you're gonna like, t- we're, come on, man. Like, what are we right. talking about? I'm um, not saying I'm, they, they, know, they misled their hand and they offered him thirty right away. But I'm saying that's their fault. What if you do like? What if you do a Kirk Cousins just deal for both parties? Like your your window is now, right? Yeah, your window's now. Let's you do got a things smaller. Three year, fully guaranteed. Two year, fully guaranteed. Give me thirty five million a year for two years. Ooh, give me thirty five million two years. Yep, that's if, seventy if in the bank. I'm right, and I'm right back at the table again as a yep. young in my prime quarterback. And if you don't like me, we got flexibility there on your end too. But I yeah. got seventy million racks guaranteed. I like it. I'll like, bet on myself. You guys give me. Well, not you know, it's not long term. Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it the moving. problem is what the Cowboys would seventy say, million dollars, Danny. Well, the Cowboys would say. Why would we do that? We can franchise tag you in a year, which is probably going to be around thirty million. You know, like that. Yeah, but, but you're going you, to make him happy. You need that. You might him. need that franchise tag for Amari. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I, I don't true. know. You might need that for Amari. What all get- of this tells me is the fact that the Cowboys are leaking this information does tell me they would like to get all these done at the same time. Yeah, like they're starting to kind of float these rumors out there because I think ideally Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones would like to lock up these three, say this is our core nucleus. Yeah. And get them while they can and maybe even pressure them with each other. Yeah. Hey, Zeke, you see Dak? 
he's going to play at 30 or whatever the number is. And Dak, hey, do you see what Zeke's going to do? He's right. not going to break the bank. Let's, let's put some peer pressure on him to say, hey, all of you guys, let's stick together. And maybe that is valuable to them. Maybe they are boys. Like maybe they do like to hang out, which I do think there's some value. They in They might, but boys. <laughs> hey, listen, boys and millions are like those are those are you know. Look, all right, Ezekiel Elliott. And I don't know this to be true, but I can tell you from my experience. I played in the CBA. I wasn't drafted into the NBA. Um, I, I played for I don't know seven hundred dollars a week. Like, do you know what I mean? So when I when I got a chance to get some money, Danny, I wasn't giving any of it back to you. Now I did dumb stuff and I got fined and all of that, but. Generally speaking, in a negotiation, I was going where the money was because I was trying to make a living out of it. Like, you right. know, I had seen what I wasn't this like first round, highly heralded draft pick. So you can have a different perspective if you're Ezekiel Elliott, let's say, and you were like the best running back in the draft and you're universally regarded as a top two running back in the league. Yeah. And if you're Dak Prescott, where you're like, everybody overlooked me in the draft, like, you know, I'm an underdog. Like yeah. their perspective on what money means right now and giving it big, those, those could be Completely two different, different things, even if they're boys. I think it's an interesting conversation. The star, right? Yeah. Jerry and company would have you believe that there's value added to your brand for playing for the star, for the Cowboys. I don't believe that to be the truth for Ezekiel Elliott. I think Ezekiel Elliott adds value to your brand wherever he is because he's that damn good. Mm -hmm. I think you take him anywhere else and Ezekiel Elliott adds value to your brand. I do think it's true for Dak. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think I think that Dak he has not separated himself. Zeke is a top three running back. Period. Dak is arguable as he arguably ten, top ten, top fifteen. Yeah, that doesn't mean he doesn't shouldn't be paid, but it's just a it's a much harder argument to make. And in my mind, Troy Aikman was like a top five quarterback of all time because I know they won all of those. Yeah, he wasn't though. three Super Bowls. He wasn't. No, no, but, but he was the Cowboys quarterback. Right. Do you understand what I'm oh, saying? Oh yeah, that like absolutely helps yeah. your brand, uh, your marketability. Your status, all those things, your right. legacy. It right. helps if you have the star next to you. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, Antonio Brown has been in the news a lot yeah. uh, lately, but you actually have some good news, uh, not for Antonio Brown, but for the Raiders and the NFL and everybody else. He, want, he wanted to wear his helmet, uh, his old helmet, which was not certified by the NFL. Comes out, he filed a grievance. He lost his grievance. That's kind of the bad news for him. The good news for everybody is he's going to play now. Like he's saying, at least he's put down this, Oh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to step away. So now the drama will cool off. Uh, it will subside for a little bit. I'm relieved. Give it a, I, I can, no, listen, right? I'm relieved. Like not for the reason I thought, the, I thought he was crazy. Like I thought he was going crazy. Yeah. So I am actually relieved that, that, that like he at least has enough perspective left in him. To say, hey, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. See, I never thought for a second, because you know, I did see a lot of people, oh, does he have CTE now? Is he mentally unstable? I was like, no, he just likes being the drama queen. Yeah, like, well. He likes having all the drama. He likes people talking about him. This is a diva wide receiver at its best. That's okay. all it was. All right. Now he's back. Again, I don't think he'll be out of the news for long. Right. But as far as this issue pertains, it's put to bed. So we will see him in a so different. So this is going to be an ongoing distraction, and like, you, oh, I think, think so. he'll be an ongoing problem in in uh, Oakland until we get to games. Like yeah. until he can go out there and have you know ten catches for two hundred yards. Right. It's just going to be a circus, <laughs> That's you know. Which yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of fascinating when you look at it. College football news, and this one I think was a surprise to everybody. Every I was going to grab my publications because I have all the preseason yeah. magazines. University of Miami has had a quarterback competition that's been playing out. Uh, most of them had, uh, publications, preseason publications, had either Tate Martell penciled in as the starter or, or Nicozy Perry. 
two of the guys, you know, Tate Martell, obviously the well-known transfer from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Nikosi Perry had played some and started some games for Miami. That was the assumption. We were all wrong because Manny Diaz comes out and says, Jaron Williams is our starting quarterback for week one versus the Florida Gators. Your reaction was what? That was it. <laughs> that like, was it. I, there was no reaction. I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, and what was like more concerning for me was when asked about it. Like I heard a couple of interviews that Manny gave. Uh-huh. It, it wasn't like a ringing endorsement of Jaron Williams. It was kind of like we could win with any three of these guys. <laughs> yeah. all are done. So I'm like, okay, so we still don't have our like QB, right? Like, cause yeah. if you can't tell me coming out of that competition, hey, listen, this guy smoke. Like he's the real deal. We feel like this is the kid. If you got to lump them all three together, even the non-starters with the starter, and yeah. you're, you're kind of like, let me just tell you why we think, ah, I don't love it. Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous for the Hurricanes, and it's not any indictment on Jaron Williams. It's no. sort of your thing. No one stuck out, stood out in the spring. Tate Martell had a rough game. Nobody, like, you would have hoped there would have been somebody start to separate, separate. then. Yeah. It still feel like it's been neck and neck, and of course, you know, you're going to get the, hey, he gives us the best chance to win. I do feel like, he probably was the safest option in practice, not turning the ball over, not throwing interceptions. That's what he said. Work ethic, too. I do yeah. think he had trying to show the best attitude. Tate Martell is a kid who he was getting obliterated yesterday on social media. Again, I'm not the biggest fan. He's not the most likable personality. He's been cocky, and he hasn't accomplished anything yet. He was getting shredded on social media for not winning the job. Yeah. Uh, I think it is a cautionary tale for people who think, oh, I'm just going to transfer and start somewhere else. You have to earn your job everywhere you go. You're not going to be handed anything. Of course, maybe he still gets to play. It does beg the question, what happens now? Are you aware of who was missing from practice after the news broke? Tate Martell was gone. Was not at practice yesterday. Now... It hasn't been like maybe Manny oh, no, Diaz. There's no maybe. No That's train wreck. You're done. <laughs> maybe Manny Diaz said, I know the scrutiny you're under. Take the day off to recoup. Even more. It's oh, like, right. we're done. Right. Um, you know, it's just, but then what do you, what is your reputation? He's already has a shaky reputation. It's done. You can't. Be- <laughs> Where's it going to go now? Well, well, first of all, this is self-inflicted stuff. Agreed. Right. Like, yeah. I, like I tell my, and I would say it's not even on him. It's probably from his, if you watch his dad and the pressure his dad put on him, manipulating moves, telling him where to go, probably giving him advice, leave Ohio State, it's not all on Tate Martell. Whatever the public persona you've developed, whatever the reason for it is, I, I, you know better than me. But right. whatever it is, like you've earned the criticism and stuff now because it's like I tell my middle son who likes to talk and he's talking all kind of junk and my older son goes about his business. So people ain't really messing with you if it don't work out because you ain't talking crazy and reckless. Right. My middle son likes to get reckless. Yeah. Well, when it don't go well, you are going to have to hear a whole lot of stuff. And then you don't get to play, oh, woe is me, because you were the one out there with the recklessness, you know? And I feel that way about Tate a little bit. And it sucks. I kind of feel sorry for him. But if you're going to be out there recklessly all over Instagram and, you know, sh- shooting shots at Justin Fields when he's talking about coming to OU and whoopie, whoopie, whoop, when it doesn't work out for you, brother, people ain't going to feel yeah. sorry. Yeah. And that's what, that's what, when we talk about Baker Mayfield, everybody loves him because he's going to do and say whatever he wants. And he's brash and he's cocky. Yeah. Now he's backed it up. If he stumbles and has a rough year, people are going to be really quick to say, hi, right. you know, you see what you, it's just, that's why I've always been kind of against trash talking and bringing attention on yourself and being, you know, this big brash personality. 
because it's going to make it really hard on you and people are going to come out of the they're going to come out of everywhere better be a gangster all the time yep if you're going if you're going to be that guy then you got to back it up all the time if you can't back it up all the time and i I, this is we talked about a second ago what what, like your tate while i support transfers i think it kind of played we the ohio state situation if i see justin fields coming in and i just lost our starter from last year Justin Fields couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. Right. So if I'm Tate Martell in that scenario, I'm probably sticking tight. At least for one competition. Correct. Let an entire spring and fall camp unfold. Then if you lose the competition, Correct. then you can say, I gave it my best shot. He was better. Or maybe the coaches liked him better or they were politics. But then you make your decision. Then you make your move. The, you left before competing against Correct. Him. The Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence situation, different. Like yeah, that's totally a younger different. guy going to sit on top of you. Like you've got no. And real... Kelly Bryant tried to hold him off, started, played some. Didn't work. Dabo made a change. So he said, all right, I'm going to leave. You left too early. Nikosi Perry and Jaron Williams, both of them. Um, and I really do hope Jaron Williams is the answer because I'm a, a mega fan. But neither one of them saw Tate Martell coming and decided to like dip. They were like, bring it on. Let's, let's go to war. Yeah. Tate, you can't a one-time transfer. I I support that. Two-time transfer is a terrible look. Well, see, that's what I worry about. If we go, because there has been some talk about going to a hey, let every student athlete transfer one time in their career free of penalty. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see more guys say, "All right, I'm going to try it." Like, why not? If there's no penalty, I'm going to go, kind of like Martell did, and he did. So he's got all this scrutiny on him for a multitude of reasons. One, the QB one draw a lot of scrutiny on him. He was cocky. Uh, two, he goes to Ohio State, talks a lot of trash, um, then leaves. Yeah. So the Ohio State fans are upset him for leaving. Then you've got Georgia fans who are upset him. Like it's just for trashing Justin Fields. Yeah. And then when he was there, he sent out a tweet and said, "If you're going to swing, you best not miss." Talking about Justin Fields. Yes. And then everybody's like, "Well, this is strike two for you." Yeah. You know, having fun with it, and it's just it's a complete mess. Yeah. Uh, with with where you go with this one, and Miami's got a big game. Which is the thing I thought was interesting. You're going with the most inexperienced player, has the least amount of reps, and you're going to roll him out there against Florida, uh, who's going to be a really quality opponent. Now, I think Miami has a chance to win this game, but it's going to be really tough for Jaron Williams. And his first meaningful reps to do it in that atmosphere, only game in the country that people are going to be watching? For that reason, if I'm both Nikosi and Tate, I mean, because I don't know what the depth chart looks like. I don't right. know who's going to get I the didn't first know either. crack at Yeah, yeah. Who's but second? Because Jaron's rolling out there against, by most people's accounts, of a superior team, it's going to be a huge game. If he stumbles and they want to go in another direction – that's your iron. To, that's the, the iron is now. The time is now for you to strike. You know what I mean? Like yeah. iron's hot. You strike. Whatever I'm trying to say. So I would I would probably sit tight if I were either one of those dudes and see if Jaron stumbled early and if I got my crack at it. And if I got my crack at it, I just got to make the most of that opportunity, right? Right. But like to leave now before that sorts itself out. He's again, still, you'd no. be running again. Right. You know, like that's where I would tell everybody have a little pace. I know it's it's heated. It's in the moment, but just. Let's see how it plays yeah. out. Uh, you don't, and here's the here's the hard part. Tate Martell probably, and Nikosi Perry too, both guys who lost the competition. They probably have their eyes set on the NFL, even though we all know the statistics. They view themselves NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I get there? I have to be playing. Just remind you. Look at the last several options at quarterback. I'll give you just a list of names who only started one year. You don't need to start for four years. Right. All you need is one year to showcase your skills. Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. one year at Ohio State. Kyler Murray, one year at Oklahoma. Cam Newton, one year at Auburn. Yeah. Like you don't need to be a three or four year starter to point. showcase your skills. Yeah. 
wait around just a little bit. Let this year play out. Your dude, Tate Martell's only a sophomore. Right. Let it play out. You can still use your red shirt because you haven't burned it yet. Yeah. You know, down the road, just it's it's one of those things where look at the big picture. Don't be so desperate uh, to make a move. And how about stick around? Right. Like, stick things out. See how it goes. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. So Fortnite was in the news not that long ago when Kyle Buga Gearsdorf, mm-hmm. 16-year-old from Pennsylvania, won $3 million. Three mil. Yeah. Playing Fortnite. I know. Won a tournament at Arthur Ashe Stadium. They had a big crowd that was there. A live event that played out. Could well, you appre- could you appreciate, like, what, did you watch it? I did not. You didn't? Right. No, I didn't see it. But I've seen other gaming events, eSports on television. I don't know how you... I do not appreciate it. No. I can't look at... It was And they had, like, five screens. Play. Yeah, yeah. I know. Seriously. It was unreal. The, like You did see it? I, yeah, I watched the video of it. Like, <laughs> I, I, I watched, like, a you know, like a YouTube video or something of it. When my but does it have it. the same as, like, when you're watching LeBron, like, in a last-second shot, or you're watching Tom Brady shred somebody down the field in a two-minute drill? Is no, it the same? No, because I've been conditioned to, like... I need to see people, not I, I know, cartoons. But, bro, when you, like, so if you've ever played the game. Yeah. Like, and, and you see what this cat's able to do with his with his fingers and, and all of that. You're like, bro, that is insane, man. $3 million worth of insane. I've never wrapped my mind around that. Like, I've never, like, as a sport, right? Like, as, as a, like, the appreciation. I have an appreciation for you being able to throw the hell out of that ball because I've tried to throw it. Yeah. It's what I grew up doing. I yep. have appreciation for LeBron and all of those guys. Like, today's kid has that same appreciation for what someone's able to do on the sticks. And we look at it like, like, dude, they're just playing a game. But that is like... It, obviously, people, there a, is a lot a of... gift. Uh, absolutely, it is. And obviously, there are a lot of people paying attention as networks are investing more money and airing it on television yeah. where people will actually watch it. I don't understand. It doesn't mean it's not right or wrong. I just haven't played very well. Well, I couldn't sit can. there and watch a tournament. Like, I'm not going to sit there and watch a tournament. Right. But, I mean, watching that cat win $3 million, like, and the way he played that game to win the $3 million, I was like... <laughs> oh my god he's doing it you're like whoa got it you know it was crazy we need a gift for that yeah. <laughs> little face you just made with those head movements we need to do something with that um so our boy bugger yeah bugger or booga i don't know how you say it i think it's i've bugger. heard both i think it's booga though but you it might do. be bugger i don't i don't I think all right bugger, but i don't Whatever. know kyle kyle let's all call him he's back in the news yeah uh are you aware of something that takes place while you're playing Fortnite, apparently or streaming any game that is a term that has been referenced as swatting. Have you ever heard of being swatted, swatting? Um, not in the not, like in, not in not in that vernacular as in, that goes. No, maybe it's similar to something as you other uh, have heard it used in other terminology. So our boy Kyle Gearsdorf, Buga or Buga, yeah, got swatted. Okay, I was like, well, what the heck does that mean? I thought it meant slapped upside the head, like somebody wrote a side. You yeah. know, that's what they yeah. did. So apparently, it is a prank that gamers will play on each other. While he's live streaming, somebody impersonates him and calls the police. And this is where it gets really, like, kind of really bad. They'll threaten, they'll, they'll call and say, Hey, well, somebody was murdered at my house or something is, an issue is going on. Taking place. So SWAT shows up. The SWAT team shows up. So Bugga is playing. All of a sudden he says, I got to go bleepity bleep bleep. Yeah. There's people at my door. He leaves. The SWAT team is there. Guns drawn. Looking for this, you know, activity, this yeah. violence, this murder taking place. Frank. And he's like, I didn't do anything. I'm down there playing my Fortnite game. Apparently it's a thing. Yeah, well, you got to talk to your boys about it because you got to make sure they don't, because yeah, it is a very serious crime when you start doing some of these. I think, I don't, I don't know that there. that's a thing for a lot of people. That's a thing for a small 
percentage of the video the game caller population. told <laughs> like i don't know if you're swatting i'm i've never heard of swatting the caller told police he had killed his father shooting him multiple times and tied up his mother in the garage why can't like it's brutal why can't it just be like hey there's a fire <laughs> that's not good either though but it's you, pranking has gone to a level and especially consider where our society is with some of the gun violence oh the perpetrator of oh the, yeah. yeah i like and there'll be People will be sent away, and they should be. Yeah, that's, that's And if they're juveniles, they should be taught a very serious lesson. Right. But this is stuff you don't mess around with, uh, and it's something that occurred here. Like, Off topic, before I get to CBS, uh, Gary Parrish, who's breaking guitars, I got boarded. Like, we were fishing for swordfish one night. Yeah. And we were all ch- – it's really boring if you're not catching swordfish. So yes. you're all laying around a boat. Yep. Um, a few you, beers. Yeah, you got your beanbags out and stuff like that. And we were there in mid-conversation, and the next thing you know, there was a spotlight on us. Wham! So you're, you can't see anything. You're like, you know, I don't know if it's pirates. We're like, what the, what the hell's going on? So when they drew the spotlight down, the whole Coast Guard was standing there with their, uh, with their <laughs> guns drawn on us. Right. They, they thought we were running like drugs or something. We were yeah. for some kind of drop off. But so they boarded the boat, kept their guns on you. They had to see all your identification, all of that. Um, I only say that because it's terrifying when, yeah, or, absolutely it is. Anyway, sure. let's keep it moving. Uh, CBS Garish Parish, uh, breaking guitars at soccer games, apparently. <laughs> um, in Memphis, this is a Memphis soccer team, the Memphis 901 FC. Uh, they have celebrities break guitars as a way to hype the crowd. Penny Hardaway did it, John Morant, and D'Angelo Williams. This Here's our guy, Gary Parrish, Gary Parrish CBS Sports. Going to take the guitar just later. I actually like this. Don't let the cargo capris, though. Got to tell you, Gary. Those, yeah, those um, are a little long. I'm not. Uh, Wait, ah, but he did get a pretty good break. Yeah. But he's, are they wearing protective eye gear or are those just sunglasses? That would worry me. Like one of those strings would pop back up up and hit you in the eye or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely like the – because we have – ceremonial first pitch sure. we've got coin flip at football games i like that way better like, that that's is a way cooler, cooler way to and yeah. it's music city like you know or right. like nashville's in music city right yeah. memphis I mean, does have a lot of blues yes yeah, yeah, so they got that one for that. sure i got good with gary do. about them, them capris though <laughs> yes the car maybe, capris, but I thought maybe you gary's my dude me and gary are cool i'm, I'm gonna hook him up yeah uh my man nathan peterman backup quarterback uh has been around the nfl for some time I'm jealous of him, but somehow he manages to fool coaches that everywhere he started goes. started in Buffalo last yes, year. Yes, and threw like a thousand picks. picks in four games. Uh, John Gruden is catching his eye, and he also had a 50 yard scramble. How about this scramble in the game the other night, which this guy's going to make millions and millions of dollars off preseason football. Steps up, gets a scramble to the outside, oh, wheels, showcasing bro. some of his skills right wheels. there. Wheels, switch hands with that ball. Wheels. No, don't fall. You're falling victim to wheels, everybody else. Uh. You're in love with him. He hasn't done anything in the regular season. He's it's only preseason. number three, too, bro. Yeah, it looks faster. I had I had three in the preseason one time. Didn't make me look faster. I heard. I heard. Um. <laughs> um. Um. We're five Doesn't seconds matter. and out. Yeah, out. We can't wait to hear it tomorrow. We'll tell Eric Dickerson was talking about slow numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I did. We'll tell you the slow numbers tomorrow. <laughs> Are we out? I think so. All right.